Hello and welcome to Messages at BBC. In these messages, you'll hear from professors, staff, guest speakers, as well as students. These messages were spoken and recorded on campus at Boise Bible College. If you'd like to check out Boise Bible College, please see our website at boisebible.edu. Stories. Some of my favorite phrases include, it was a dark and stormy night, once upon a time, and of course, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. I like stories. I don't want to go on a walk. I want to go for an adventure. In fact, yesterday, the CDH recommended instead of having a Thanksgiving gathering, they recommended, I kid you not, going camping. And I went home and I told my family, guess what we're doing? And they said, no. I love to tell stories. I love to tell Bible stories. It's one of the reasons I became an Old Testament guy. Someday, if my wife lets me, I'd like to get a master's degree in storytelling. You can call me hopeless, but I think I'm living in a story. And I could tell you many stories from my own life. I could tell you a love story about Melissa and I. Because we started dating 29 years ago yesterday. (laughs) Applaud her, not me. I could tell you stories about tragedy, trauma, and hope, and I've done so in the past in the blue Christmas setting. I could tell you an epic saga with lots of chapters in it about ministry. But today, I want to tell a story about the cost of the gospel. The chapter I want to tell today, I first told in chapel six years ago, because it is the story about how God brought our family to Boise Bible College. I'm skipping over lots of important pieces, important chapters, like getting fired from a church, like serving on a state university campus, and lots and lots of church camp. But all of these stories are about me being the follower, not the leader. This chapter about the cost of the gospel starts with a road trip. Back in 2013, about the time most of you were getting ready to start middle school, I finished my doctorate degree and my family agreed to take a road trip. So we took our 10-year-old SUV, packed it up with the family, the dog, and a month's worth of groceries, pulled a 25-year-old trailer behind us, and disappeared from Missouri heading for Alaska, mostly just because it was there. And that's another 9,000 miles worth of stories that we don't have time for today, except this one. While we were there, we worked a week of camp, and there we met Ross and Stacy Knudsen, and we heard about Boise Bible College. So last week in chapel, Logan made an announcement where he said, how many of you heard about BBC through a week of camp? And I raised my hand, and he looked at me and said, really? I did. True story, in July of 2013. Fast forward to December, skip over a very eventful six months, at least what I considered eventful at the time. Because in the last five years, I've been on many more adventures. Story includes many adventures, but it also includes the voice of God. I cannot explain how God speaks. In Hebrews chapter 1, we're told that in days past, God spoke many times and in many ways. He's talking about speaking through his prophets. And then scripture goes on to tell us, but recently he has spoken through his son. 
So if you want to hear God's voice, you have to know the Son. You have to know Jesus. But in December of 2013, my wife Melissa sent me this text. This verse has popped up in several places for me today. My journal, my Devo book, in the kids' Bible class at work, Hebrews 11.8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Still quoting my wife. I don't know what that means, but I found it interesting. I think God may be moving us. A couple days later, a note card falls out of an old Bible from a different chapter in life, from a previous time. And that same verse is written on it. Not just the reference, the verse. He went out not knowing where he was going. Now, I know enough about exegesis and hermeneutics to know that was spoken to Abraham a very long time ago, and it may not apply to me. But maybe God calls us to something similar. We didn't know if God was leading, if God was speaking, but we decided to be open. A commitment we made very early on in our marriage is that we would walk through open doors until God closed them. So we were open. I believe that is essential to understanding the cost of the gospel. So far in the story, let me catch you up. We have two things. We have my wife's uncanny ability to see the same verse over and over again. And we have a chance meeting in Alaska with some staff from Boise Bible College. I like this story so far because I can blame everything either on my wife or my evil twin, so I'm good. First lesson you should learn from this story is that I am wrong a lot. I think I know what I'm supposed to do, and I find out I'm wrong. The second is like it. God likes to laugh at our plans. I'm not talking big picture, hypothetically. I'm talking specifically about Melissa and I. I think God specifically laughs at us. And we have learned to hang on for the ride. I know it's slightly out of order, but let me back up a month. In November of 2013, we went to ICOM in Kansas City. And every time I go to ICOM, I am challenged and I am changed. And in Kansas City at ICOM we thought we heard God speaking. Side note, the next time I went to ICOM was in 2019 with a group from Boise Bible College, and it was in Kansas City. Trust me, I went to ICOM with a lot of caution because I know God can mess with you at ICOM. So we heard some messages, and we began to pray through some very specific conversations about a possible mission trip to Poland and the possibility of that being long-term. You remember the second lesson about God laughing? Through prayer, we got a very clear closed door. And I said, nope, that is not it. That's not what I'm calling you to do right now. And we said, maybe that whole leave your home thing was a false alarm. We're good, right? And I think God started laughing a little louder. I don't have time to tell you about the next six months, but there were a lot of events. And during that time, through much prayer, we decided to stay put to make it work, because maybe God had us where we were for a reason. April 2014, I get a message from a friend whom I had met in Alaska. A friend who had walked with me from afar through a very eventful year in my life. 
and it simply said, there may be a preaching position open at BBC. I think you should apply. I had just made a decision to stay put. This led to a lot of turmoil. This led to a deep period of prayer, and the wrestling was real. This was in no way easy, and all of this was about me giving up control. On Wednesday, April 23rd, 2014, I received the following text from my wife. I decided I love you again, and I'll follow you wherever you want to take us this time. Let me fast forward one month to May, May 17th. May 17th, 2014. My wife knows me well. She knows that I'm an introvert. I love spending time in the woods. And she said, before you make a decision, I need your head clear. So I disappeared into a state park, into a rustic cabin with my Bible and a notebook and two questions. First, moving to Boise would mean leaving Melissa's parents. Now, we had their blessing. They were with us in this process. And we thought we understood that Jesus says sometimes you need to leave family. But I wanted to take the time to make sure I understood that principle clearly. For the second question, a friend had challenged me to count the cost. What would it cost my family uprooting them and moving them across the country? What would it mean to my job? What would it mean moving from the country, which I love, to the city, which I still don't get? What about friendships? I don't make friends easily. And I had some deep friends at this location. People are much more important to the others that live in my house. And so the cost of their friendships would be high. Both Melissa and I were pretty established. We were working our dream jobs. We were connected with a network of churches. We were in a pretty good place. And if we left, our family would not be the only ones disrupted. So I hoped that my Bible would answer two questions for me. Is it right for me to leave my family? And is it worth the cost? Now again, I know that hermeneutics doesn't work that way. I can't open my Bible and flip and say, thou shalt move to Boise. I didn't think I was going to find that. But I was hoping I would understand the principles that I could use to make a decision. I was wrong. I found direct answers to both of those questions. And I didn't have to look very hard. In case you are wondering, yes, there is actually a sermon with a text. Today I'm going to be preaching from Luke chapter 14. If you want to follow along, I'm not going to have most of the verses on the screen. If not, it's okay with me if you just listen. But let me tell you how I came to the book of Luke in 2014. In January of that year, I started reading through the Bible chronologically with a group from church. That means from January all the way through September, I should be in the Old Testament. In the spring, I said something profound. I need more time with Jesus. And so I left my plan. I picked a gospel. I picked the gospel of Luke because I wanted to focus on prayer. And I began reading one chapter a day. It is in that setting that my wife said, go get alone in the woods and clear your head. And so on May 17th, I sat down with my Bible, and opened up to the next day's reading, which was Luke chapter 14, with these two questions on my mind. I can't make this stuff up. I read the following words. 
anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So I stepped back and I read that again in context of the whole chapter, and it caused me to ask some new questions. Let me phrase it this way. What am I being asked for? I think these two verses answer that question. You see, earlier in this chapter, verse 25, Jesus addressed this issue to a large crowd. And he said, if you want to be one of mine, this is what it takes. Hate your family. Carry your cross. He gives two mandates for his followers. Hate and carry. Hang on. I know Jesus. Those don't sound like Jesus' words. Love sounds like what Jesus commands. Lay down your burden sounds like what Jesus commands. But here in this text, he says hate, and he says carry, and he says they are absolutely required, not optional for followers of Jesus. Verse 26, Jesus tells us to hate those closest to us, even ourselves. And that one is so easy to explain away. I've heard it explained away. I've read commentators, good scholars who say, that doesn't really mean hate. That means love something less than you love Jesus. And I did my own homework, and that's not what it means. Jesus is pretty clear. I may not be completely sure what hate means, but Jesus requires that we set aside that which is closest to us, that which I love the most. Yes, even to the point of denying family. If the choice is being close to family or following Jesus, he makes it very clear. Deny family. Give up family. Give up family. Not to pursue my own desires, not to do what I want, but to pursue the will of the king because he is in charge. Some of you have done that to come to BBC. More of you will be called to do that even more completely. You're not promised that you can follow Jesus and be close to your family. And it's likely the opposite will happen. And it's likely that your family will not understand that. Leon Morris said, devotion to Christ cannot be less than wholehearted Discipleship is not periodic volunteer work on one's own terms and at one's convenience. How serious is this? Jesus said it's an absolute requirement. It's a mandate. If you do not hate your family, you cannot be my disciple. First command is hate. The second is carry. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I think that having a cross to bear is another one of these misnomers. Bearing a cross is not an inconvenience. Bearing a cross is not that excessive talker in your small group. Bearing your cross is not your roommate who smells bad. Bearing your cross is not that professor who cannot stay on topic to save either his life or yours. Bearing a cross is never about putting up with something. What would it be like to hear those words, take up your cross when you had seen someone carry his own cross. 
And what would it be like hearing it for the second time because Jesus already said this back in chapter 9? Bearing a cross is not about putting up with something. It's not about kicking up your spiritual life a little bit. It is about total commitment, and that is an absolute mandate of being a disciple. So in my story, God gives me reassurance that sometimes it is about leaving family. It would be hard, but he does indeed call his people to do such things. So the second question was about counting the cost, and that is specifically the way it had been worded to me. Make sure you count the cost. And I had a list to work through. And to my shock, that phrase shows up in this same chapter where I was reading through my daily Bible reading in the woods in May of 2014. I should have seen these two connected sooner because I had been wrestling with these two questions for a while. I found Jesus dealing with the question of counting the cost with a one-two punch. And in verse 28, he starts about talking about a tower. And he says, who doesn't build a tower unless they calculate the cost? And he talks about an army and war. He talks about war and armies. And he says, who doesn't do this without counting the cost? I don't have enough men to meet the opposing army. And there's that phrase, calculate the cost in the NAS. Count the cost in the ESV. Right here in the same passage, it talks about family. In my daily Bible reading, while I had been praying for God, reveal to me answers to two questions. So I altered the question a little bit. Maybe instead of asking how much does it cost, maybe instead of asking is it worth it, I needed to step back and say, what does it mean to count the cost? Jesus gives two examples. A tower. If you're building a tower, don't do it if you can't afford to finish it. And then he talks about a battle. Don't do it if you cannot win. Hang on. Jesus says, don't do it? The same Jesus that says, I need to hate my own mother, says, maybe you can't handle it. Think about it. I think that's exactly what he's saying. And again, this is not the first time. He has already said that back in Luke chapter 9. The disciples have already heard it. The tower image is one we don't understand. We live in a culture that is absolutely obsessed with debt. We don't think about whether or not we can afford it. We can't save and wait for something. We jump in and have no concept of if we can finish it or not. It makes it hard to count the cost of following Jesus because it requires us to think long term. It could apply to some of us who started a Bible college. Why did you start? If it's because Jesus called you here, then maybe you need to finish. Some of us came to Bible college not really knowing the cost, and I'm not talking about money. But have you really considered that this might cost you your life? And I'm not talking about an early death. I'm talking about a life of total commitment, which Jesus makes a demand. And if that's the demand he makes, there are a hundred little and big things that we may need to give up. Riches I need not, nor man's empty praise. Really? Some of you may need to ask, what happens if I stick it out here for two years or four years? Some of you may need to ask, what if I commit 
to ministry vocationally. I know it is hard, but you are surrounded by people who know it is hard. Sit down. Count it out. Not in a hurry. This is not a flippant decision. Use your time at BBC and make a decision. Let me interpret Jesus' words this way. Discipleship is not something you can try for a while. There is a cost to the gospel, and it is high. The first image asks, can you afford to follow? The second asks, can you afford to refuse? Because the second image is a battle that numerically you're going to lose. And God hasn't stepped in like he did in the Old Testament and said, you can win with smaller numbers. You just know you don't have what it takes. That sounds an awful lot like what it means to be poor in spirit. So what does it cost? How do I know if I'm being foolish or if I'm being passionate? How do I know if Bible college is a waste of time? How do I know if I've really been called by God to ministry? Here's my conclusion. Maybe we can't. But we can know the cost. For me at that moment, what's this going to do to my kids? This is going to mess up financial stability. And by the way, not just for me, but for organizations I worked with. What's this going to do to my reputation? Counting the cost did not take near as long as I thought it would once I kept reading because for the third time, Luke quotes Jesus saying the words, you cannot be my disciple. Luke 14, So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. ESV says, renounce all he has. The cost is everything. So on May 17th, after reading That passage, which answered both of my questions, I sent this text to Melissa. The same passage about leaving family is about counting the cost. In that text, the cost is everything, not how much of anything. We have to be willing to leave everything to follow. A week later, I signed a contract to work for BBC. And that day, my daily Bible reading took me to Luke 18, where it says, if you give up everything, you will be rewarded in this life. I can't make this stuff up. Two months to the day from May 17th, we pulled on this campus in the smallest U-Haul that is made because we had sold most of our possessions. The cost is everything. The cost of the gospel, the call to follow Jesus, is to give up everything. It is a call to come and die. You don't only have to hate your family, it says you have to hate yourself, and that is probably much harder. I don't want to complicate this, because at a base level, the cost is everything, including all of me. I'm not going to read you the entire quote right now, but at some point in your life, you need to read Diedrich Bonhoeffer's The Cost of Discipleship. Take your time and work through it. In that book, he says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. 
And he explains what that means, and it's not talking about an early death. Bearing a cross is not about putting up with something. It is about giving up everything. See, what I had to realize was the story was not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I have. It's not about what I could have. In the story, I'm required to give up everything because the story is about Jesus. That is the cost of the gospel. Not for some, but for all. I'm going to leave you with two questions as you are counting the cost. First question, am I leading or am I following? I like adventures, but I'd really prefer to lead. And Jesus said, I have to give that up. Am I leading or am I following? See, back at this time in 2014, the song Oceans was everywhere. You know how a worship song sometimes gets played too much? It wasn't that it was played too much. It was I was having trouble listening. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. And I can barely swim. It was in chapel. It was in church. It was on the radio. But it becomes a whole lot less scary when you realize who is leading. I think we have to be willing to do that. To go where Jesus is leading. Not because it sounds exciting, but because it's not about me. He's the one that's leading. That is the cost. Jesus makes it clear. Second question. What are the little things that are getting in the way of me giving everything to Jesus? I don't want riches or man's empty praise. We sang that this morning. Do we, mean, do we mean it? Conclusion of the verses in my life. Was God using Hebrews 11 to speak to my family? I have no idea. But I do know that Jesus spoke clearly what the cost of following him was. And the cost of the gospel is everything. Luke ends this section by quoting Jesus, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, because the cost of the gospel is everything. Thank you for listening today. Boise Bible College exists to raise up leaders for the church, where we value scholarship, humility, innovation, and community. For more information about Boise Bible College, please see boisebible.edu.